0: So tonight, we're going to talk about the practical issues in hospitality. We've been in a five-week series on hospitality so far. We've kind of covered the background of just what is hospitality and reciprocity. looked at it in the scriptures, how hospitality was dealt with there in several places. Week three, we really dove into the central core teaching on hospitality, which is Matthew 25, really focusing on Christ as the stranger. If you did this to the least of these my brothers, you did it unto me like visiting someone, taking in a stranger, clothing, feeding, we looked at that as the central anchoring part of hospitality. Last week for Easter we shared a communion service and we talked about the difficulty of receiving, because a lot of us have difficulty receiving. And if you missed last week as part of our communion time we actually washed one another's feet as a way of showing how it is that we can receive from one another even in things that would often make us uncomfortable. And we looked at the picture of Peter who was very uncomfortable having Jesus wash his feet and seeing that Jesus was encouraging him like, no, if you want any part of me then you have to receive from me. And I would say the same to all of us here. Like, if you want any part of the community this common unity, then we need to receive from one another. Tonight as we wrap up some practical issues I need your help. I need your help to kind of answer some questions because you're going to be the voice of many questions and I'm just going to pose them tonight and I'm going to ask you to answer them and give me your opinion. And I think that in these cases, don't worry, there's no trick questions, there's no hidden verses that are going to pop up on the screen and make you look like you haven't read the Bible. These are really practical issues that make it hard to express hospitality. I'm just going to read some questions to you. I want you to think about them for a moment because I hope you'll help me answer them. I don't have the gift of hospitality. Hospitality doesn't come naturally to me. What do I do about that? I'm frugal and it's hard for me to be generous. I don't feel that my hospitality is reciprocated. I generally worry that others are taking advantage of me. Why is there so much emphasis on food whenever we discuss hospitality? Can we be hospitable without offering food? I'm an introvert. Hospitality seems easy for people who are extroverts, but it's hard for me to invite people into my space. I don't understand the point of hospitality. How are we going to develop a deep, intimate relationship with a complete stranger simply by inviting them to stay with us or share a meal? Where are the boundaries? Am I supposed to invite every single person who needs a meal or a place to stay? What if I'm uncomfortable with a guest's behavior or habits and they seriously pose a problem in my home? I don't have a home to invite anyone to. How can I practice hospitality? I am barely getting by. I don't have any resources with which to be hospitable. Isn't it a bit overwhelming for the stranger, the newcomer, or the recent acquaintance to suddenly be invited into the midst of our life? What if someone that is invited into our home steals from me? I worry that inviting a stranger in my home is not safe. How can I show hospitality in a world where so many people are out to harm others? What happens if someone overstays their welcome and doesn't take the hint that it's time to move on? There are limits, and I worry that I won't be able to enforce them. What if my hospitality is just going to enable somebody and keep them from working to provide for themselves? This is like the final exam. It's like finals week. Those are the questions. You'll each be handed a blue book, and you'll write. Going all the way back to the beginning of our series, remember that the word hospitality from its roots literally means the love of stranger. And while we focused on things within the group as well, tonight we're actually pushing those boundaries to look at strangers. One of the books I'm reading is Christine Paul's book Making Room, and she says this. Hospitality always included family, friends, and influential contacts. The distinctive Christian contribution to hospitality was the emphasis on including the poor and the neediest, the ones who could not return the favor. And that really is the focus on people who can't return the favor. If you don't want to hear it straight from Christine, you can hear it straight from Jesus, who said a very similar thing, which of course she was echoing in her work. In Luke 14, 12 to 14, we remember this verse that we read at the beginning. Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. We talked about the concept of reciprocity and hospitality. But, Jesus says, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. We are really focusing on looking outside of ourselves tonight. But all throughout this series, as I've talked about this ideal, we said we would come to some of the practical issues. So let's dive into them. I don't have the gift of hospitality. It doesn't come naturally to me. How many people feel that way? Anybody feel, I mean, it's OK, did I just raise your hand and go, yeah, that's me. I feel that way. What's our response to that practical issue?
1: I don't really think that hospitality as we've defined it especially in this series is necessarily a gift that some people have and some people don't I think it's something we're all called to practice as an act of obedience as an act of love for each other so I think maybe somebody who feels this way maybe has a very narrow view of what hospitality would be in their life and they're just not interested in that but maybe if they were able to see a broad scope of all of the obedient acts that would encompass hospitality something that would seem more fitting for them as a means of
0: expression. Yeah, I think we've kind of bought into an idea that there's like this gift of hospitality because it's mentioned a lot of spiritual gift inventories. Oh, you must have the gift of hospitality. And there's scriptural support for it. But here's what's curious to me. Every time we cite the scriptural support for where the gift of hospitality comes from, uh, we cite people who are just being hospitable. The commandments in scripture about hospitality are made to everyone. The ones that are actually like, this is a command from Paul. This is a command from Peter. This is a command from Christ himself. It's not conditional on those who have this gift. It's for everyone. We just have to look and say, yeah, in the church we've actually kind of designated as a gift, so it's almost given us a way out. Like, well, that's not really my gifting. My gifting's something else. Not, not that. So I think that's probably true. Here's another practical issue. I am frugal and it's hard for me to be generous. You wanna wanna raise your hand and say, that's me? That's good, that's honest. So what do we do with this one? I mean, it's, it's real. Sometimes frugal means like, I'm just trying to be wise with my money. And sometimes frugal means I'm being wise with my money as it relates to everybody else. <laughs> but when it relates to me, I'm not quite as wise with my money. They're slightly different. So talk to me about frugality. Is it wrong? Is it sinful to be frugal? I mean, we actually have another word for it in the church. What do we call it? We even gave it a a discipline. The discipline of? Simplicity. So again, you have to ask yourself, like, I think it's very good that we live in tension and not live with like buying into the culture and all their material messages that they send to us about how we have to be so tied to material possession and measure our lives by material goods. So we say, but I'm living in the discipline of simplicity. That's great. If it's really to avoid materialism as opposed to avoiding being generous. People who live in simplicity have to live in a very strange tension. Because they're trying to avoid materialism while still being generous. Who were the perfect examples of this? You want to remember? Historically? The greatest hospitality in our churches historically was shown by monks. For long periods of time, for almost a thousand years in the Middle Ages, it was the monasteries that opened up their doors. To people who were traveling, to people who were homeless, to people who needed to escape as refugees. And the monks lived very, very simplistic lifestyles, but the whole lifestyle was designed to produce like things that people could consume and to invite them in and to be able to do it. The monks did not live so simply, for example, that they said, Hey, <laughs> we're monks, we can't give you anything. It was actually just the opposite. It's like We're monks. We live as simply as we can off the land. Come and work with us. Come and stay here. Come find solace. Come find solitude. Come find refuge if you need to. Find silence if that's what you need. But we offer that to you in hospitality. Yeah.
2: Yeah, one way I don't actually don't see the tension as much. If you aren't spending lots on just random stuff or material issues, then you have money to spend on others. You know, you have that ability to uh, lodge someone or you know buy them meals or different things like that. So actually, I think simplicity could actually increase your generosity. But however, a lot of people will hide behind that and not be generous. That's a separate issue.
0: Yeah it's very hard for us to resist the frugality part of simplicity. Right? There's nothing wrong with living as simply as possible so that you could save your resource for the things that the Lord commands. It's just tempting to be simple when you already have an issue with being generous. I think one
3: thing is that we see frugal and we automatically associate it with monetary like money I think we can be generous with our time as well and i think that, that can also translate into form of hospitality i mean people who just want something to talk to not necessarily money you know or hang you know hang out with somebody that you know you don't you know and even if it's hanging out with a homes person you need to know their story that might be more to them than eating you know eating a little bit you know what i mean so i think i think i think it, frugality is, is tough i think it's tough because we want to save money but i think we can be generous with other things
0: anyone else want to take a song abby i
3: think it's like it's more costly to not be
4: hospitable in like some circumstances. Like, it's way more expensive to go take someone out for coffee than it is to invite them to your home to make them coffee. And it's way more expensive to take them out to dinner than it is to have them to your home for dinner. And so, just like understanding that, like, even kind of like in the design of things, like, it's cheaper to be like to share life with someone, and to like realize that being almost, I don't know, like, a benefit to it and an encouragement, like. Instead of inviting them out to do something where you feel obligated or want to pay, like invite them in to do something where you've like already paid like for it or something like that. And I think there's definitely like also an element of like communal hospitality and being able to like do that because that also like breaks up that whole like idea that it's like just on you. But if it's like you know like I'm here with Natalie and Melissa and we're all going to be doing this and like all making the meal together, then it incorporates like community and more
0: validation. Frugality brings in subtle temptations. You have to watch for them. Like I said, the subtle temptation is to call it simplicity when it's really a lack of generosity. Not that there isn't a discipline of simplicity. I believe there is, and I believe in it strongly. But you have to be very careful of that temptation. It's also tempting sometimes to use time and barter with God instead of money, which I'm not saying that time is something we shouldn't give, but I know a lot of people that when they struggle with money, they decide to give time. And that's a bartering with God that I think is very dangerous, because God demands both. And he's not going to get into a negotiation where you say, but Lord, I give so much of my time, how about if I could just reduce some of the money? And students have asked me that directly, like, but I'm in school, I'm having difficulty, what if I could only give time? That's okay, because that's where you are. But if you're in a place where the real reason you're giving time is because you struggle with money, that highlights the issue. Watch for that temptation. The same is true with community sometimes. Sometimes we hope the community will be hospitable so that we don't have to. And that's not exactly what you were saying, but I want to pick apart that temptation. I've seen churches that will say, like, let's be hospitable. Let's form a community thing to be hospitable. Let's have a fund to be hospitable. Like, it's still like trying to use other people's money or other people's resources and not ours. We're all called to be generous. And yes, that will take us all off on my favorite subject of talking about money, but we're not going there now. We're talking just about being generous with regard to our hospitality. And the, the truth is, hospitality requires resources. It just does. It doesn't have to always be a home, but hospitality requires resources. Even when you take someone, if you don't have a home, and you say, let me buy you a drink, let's go out and have coffee, that requires resource. Can I buy you dinner? And if we don't have resource or if we're unwilling to part with it, it's going to be very difficult to be hospitable. And so for some of us, the challenge may be to say, hey, I need to actually make some resources so that I can be hospitable rather than hoping that I will be the one that is always receiving someone else's hospitality. I don't feel like my hospitality is reciprocated. I genuinely worry that others are taking advantage of me. Anyone felt taken advantage of by hospitality before? Have you, a little bit? What's the concern here about, I don't feel like it would be reciprocated. Is that legitimate? I mean, it's a concern, it's it's real. What are we gonna do? Yeah.
5: Um, hopefully this comes out and it makes sense because I don't really know if it will, but I was just trying to, I was kind of thinking about it as attention because if you're leading a group of people, And let's say they're all Christians and you're showing hospitality to them, but they are not showing it to you. There might be that concern for their spiritual growth and knowing like, okay, well, we know that as followers of Jesus, then, and if we're being obedient to following Christ, then it should show in our actions and we should be more loving. We should be more hospitable. So then... I think in that case, if it's not being reciprocated, then it's like, well, but then are these people, are they growing spiritually? You know, there might be some some gap in there. Um, and I think maybe in that case, what's necessary is to kind of bring it up and to kind of say like, well, what do you think about, what do you think hospitality is? But see, there's the tension there, because at the other end, you don't want to like, not be hospitable anymore because they're not being reciprocal. So it's, there's that tension where I think you just got to come to a point where you got
0: to talk about it, I guess. So you, you're bringing up a subject called confrontation, right? In hospitality, this actual discussion is brought up, and I'm going to bring it up briefly, but that is that some people feel that when you're being hospitable that you have no right to say, hey, I'd like to address an issue, and that may be one of them. But you're also right to bring up that we just looked at a verse where Jesus is saying, don't expect reciprocity, right? Go beyond that. I mean, we all feel like somebody could take advantage of us and that we could give and give and give and never receive anything in return. That's a legitimate human feeling. You said that shouldn't stop our hospitality. Why not?
5: Because, well, maybe a a nice, fluffy answer to that would Mm -hmm. be that we should be doing it like they're... um, God says so <laughs> um, when we're showing hospitality to anybody whether they're a Christian or not, that person in a way is like we're serving Jesus or we're serving God or
0: yeah who are we being hospitable to if you take Jesus at his, at his word we're being hospitable to Christ if he says that when you do this for the least of these brothers of mine then you've done it to me, the whole idea that we're talking about is that It's Christ that we're doing it to. So you could say that is fluffy and we are being overly spiritual about it, but we didn't make it up. That was his description of what is going on with hospitality. But it's still true that it remains that somebody could take and take and take and never reciprocate. right? One of the reasons we even did this series was we even felt that in this group at some point. Like, hey, there's some of us that are being hospitable. And there's others who haven't learned yet how to even respond appropriately to that. You know, Jesus' words were something like this. Like, if someone asks you to go a mile, go two. You know, if someone asks for your cloak, give them your shirt as well. Like, he wasn't so concerned with us being taken advantage of. He actually was more in the business of surrendering your entitlement and your right and saying, take, if you ask. Very hard because it's an emotion that we feel. Yes?
6: Um, I think too, like, if you think about it as God being the initial provider, so all that you're giving is given to you, I think that that helps curb a little bit the fear of being taken advantage of because maybe you will be, maybe you'll be so taken advantage of, but what's to say God will continue to provide? So I, I think, like, relinquishing a little bit your own ownership and, and feeling more that God has Know, given to you and the best you can give I think that helps me sometimes feel like it's not the end of the world if you if, if the scales don't balance out because maybe God will just keep on giving you what you need and maybe that's good enough
0: and this is the difference between hospitality even in the most advanced forms that we talked about about you know the hospitality in the time of Christ the hospitality of the Mediterranean cultures all the things we could talk about the thing that makes it distinctively Christian again is our desire to not seek reciprocity. I mean, we started this series with an honest confession that we, for three years, have opened up our home on Wednesday nights and fed and fed and fed and fed and fed. And, fed. and if I were to take the standard hospitality, not the Christian one, say, how often has anyone invited us? Right? How many times? I mean, is it just because we're group leaders we do this? Like, Is that just what you're supposed to do? But the Christian distinctive is that difference where it says, God did give all of this. This all belongs to Him anyway. All we're doing is stewarding it, and it's all for His people. We're just the ones that are actually doing that one single act that one time, and that is what makes it totally distinct. It's not focused on that, not even that reciprocity, but even the idea like you took it away from being felt like you could, like it was yours, and somebody wasn't giving back, but it wasn't yours to begin with. And I think that does make it distinctively Christian, Jeremy.
7: Yeah, I don't think the angst of feeling that feeling though is just taken away because Jesus said something. I mean, I mean, just so Jesus also said to, you know, if someone hits you, turn the the cheek. That doesn't mean a woman stays with an abusive husband. I mean, that's not what that means. Like to say that there's some of the hospitality in our culture is stupid because we don't do, we don't practice any hospitality. But what I am saying is that the feeling of it not being reciprocated is still an important feeling and it doesn't get overcome just by well, there's a verse that says, you know, Jesus says this because when we can find the same <coughs> verses in the same passage, right? Which we wouldn't take to their literal extremes either. And so, if we wouldn't take, you know, turning the other cheek to some crazy extreme, then then my feeling is we probably wouldn't take, you know, give every, you know, give in the same way to that extreme as well. Again, we're not at a place where we could even draw that line. So it's, it's I'm just saying that. The angst of the feeling's not
0: gone. Yeah, I think we should validate that that feeling is there. You can feel it. We have felt it. We struggle against it. I mean, in honesty, we can feel that feeling sometimes and think, that's crazy. So I don't want to say those feelings are they don't happen, or that some magic words from Jesus wipe them away. I think it's because we have those feelings that he speaks those words. And he points us to an ideal that, yeah, we should all be striving towards. Megan?
6: It's interesting, because when you guys were saying that, I was thinking, too, that I don't know if I ever really angst about am I reciprocating to other people. Like, it, it's so natural and easy to feel like, it, you know, are they going to pay me back? But I don't know how many times I worry, like, have I just taken advantage of John and Winston Like, am I going to pay him back? So I think, like, if we will permit that angst, we should challenge ourselves to, to, to kind of maybe equally angst about when we fall short, or probably better to look at it as realizing that in maybe a really micro sense, it might not not be reciprocated, but hopefully when we zoom out a little bit, we'll also be cognizant of the fact that some people have been very gracious and generous to us and we probably haven't
0: repay them. Yeah, and I would say that the, the challenge actually is because Jesus is setting up the don't look for the reciprocity, actually the greater challenge is as it has been done to you, do unto others. That would actually be the greatest way, because then you're taking what God has done in that instance and you're multiplying its effect. And that, I think, is what we're supposed to be doing with hospitality. If you remember, I said hospitality is the way the gospel spread in the first place. In the early centuries, people went from home to home and stayed with strangers and brought them the news, the good news. That's how the gospel spread. It would never have been able to spread without this show of hospitality. And I think in America, which is such an inhospitable culture, we should show that same hospitality and let it spread at least to return some distinctiveness. I mean, if we all agree that Christians should be hospitable, not nice for them to be, but we must be, we could at least start with ourselves. (laughs) That would be a good start. Why is there so much of an emphasis on food when we discuss hospitality? Can we be hospitable without offering food? Sure, you can let someone stay at your house and then don't feed them in the morning. (laughs) Say, no food for you. You know, this is just a truth. Hospitality has always been rooted in food. All the scriptural examples we looked at, even Jesus' invitation to a table to remember him in communion in that act, there is so much of this emphasis, and by the way, not just in the Christian tradition, but in all cultures, hospitality seems to come around a common table. Now you can go into all sorts of digressions about how food is the great equalizer, and no matter where you are, you're going to need to eat, and it's something that's intimate to us, it's something that we share, it's something that's life-giving, we can go on and on and on and on. But it is, in almost every context it's discussed, I tried to look for examples that didn't include somehow revolving around food, and it's very hard to find. But Americans try it every day. We're always trying to find ways to be hospitable like without actually engaging in the act. Now that doesn't mean you have to cook for someone. Hospitality can even engage when you go out somewhere and you say, let me treat you, let me, those things can be hospitable, but still, the more intimate the setting, the more intimate the place, the more the hospitality can grow. But like I said, we try to find ways around this all the time. And this is something that I think, again, we're uniquely trying to escape from this. Let's go back someday and read through the Scriptures and just keep an eye on the number of times that things are done over a meal and how important that seems to be, how many parables relate to a meal or a banquet table, how many different descriptions in the Scriptures, especially the Old Testament, refer to the Lord's banquet and all these kinds of things. It seems like it's constant all the way to the end. I'm an introvert. Hospitality seems easy for people who are extroverts but it's hard for me to invite people into my space. Where are you people? Who's, the, who's on that track? You're not gonna raise your hand, right? That's just, so extroverts, raise your hands. Okay, now subtract from those people all the rest of the people in the room. You would be the introverts, right? I knew that I couldn't get introverts to raise their hand, so I had already had ready. Extroverts are proud of their extrovertism. (laughs) Yeah, that's me. I am the dominant species. (laughs) Introverts. This is a real issue for some people. I want you to picture this in your mind. You have a home, and it's very personal to you. This is an issue that my wife, Lena, struggles with because she's an introvert. And it's very difficult when we invite people into the home, she has to process it for a while to really understand how it's going to work. Like for me, somebody says, hey, I need a place to stay tonight. I'm like, sure, we got an extra room, come on over, right? Mm -hmm. But I have to be very careful because if I don't have her in on that decision or we haven't talked about it in advance, you know, and suddenly I just come home and there's two other people trailing behind me, (laughs) It's gonna be a very difficult discussion behind closed doors and the whispers you know, of our room because suddenly there's somebody in the space. It's, it's unexpected, you have to prepare for it. It's not something she's accustomed to. And yet, if you all know Lena, you know that one of the things that most describes her is hospitable. She loves to do those things, but she has to do it on her terms in a way to work it out. So I bring up the point for people who at least can hide behind, I'm an introvert. Because the gospel, the sense of giving, generosity, all of these things don't get limited in some way because you're an introvert. But their expression may be totally different. It's not a one-size-fits-all. So we have to talk all the time about what is it going to look like. And the great thing is, Lena on her own brings them up. We hear that somebody is out of their house and they need a place to stay, and she'll bring it up and she'll think, What what do you think about having them stay with us for a while? And I know what she's really doing is she's not asking me my opinion, because I'd probably go, Yep, sure. She's processing, like, What would it look like? How would it work? You know, and trying to get comfortable with it so that we can then make the invitation openly without making them feel uncomfortable, like this is the best idea in the world. She just needs time to do that. I don't know what you need to do. But if you're one of those people who are on the more introverted side, hospitality still is something that we're all required to do and just takes a little bit more for us to be able to do. And to think about, yes, what's it gonna be like? Like, I'd like to be comfortable and close the doors and just live in my house and do whatever I want, but now there's gonna be somebody just down the hallway. And I have to be on, you know, all the time. I have to be like, you know, outgoing. I can't just kind of be myself because there's a guest. We have to work through that, Morgan. Yeah,
2: I think, it's, I think this question's a good one just because it could be flipped in a lot of ways in the sense that all of us have certain dispositions that may make certain actions more difficult than others. So you can plug in the X's and Y's, I mean, they're they're always different for every person. Um, But it seems like those are things that shouldn't just let you off the hook, that you have to really work through and then also look at, okay, well, how might this be different because of my certain dispositions and still allow for things to be different, and yet, yeah, I think I'm actually trying to fulfill, whether it's hospitality or generosity or anything else, it may look different for each person, but we can't count it out just because
0: it's hard. Yeah, that's right. Because it will be something else for somebody else, right? Or maybe they don't have a place, or they they don't have the resource. All of those things present hardships to doing hospitality, and we identify them and we acknowledge the difficulty. By the way, all of this tonight is not to say that these are illegitimate reasons. All of these are legitimate questions but we identify them and say, but I'm still called to be hospitable. I need to get over this. Any actual introvert want to address this? Yes.
6: Well, I think for me, this is where it comes in handy to be a body and to know that different people have different functions. And so like, this is where I lean on my more extroverted friends or like, <laughs> Two introverts can equal an extrovert. Plus <laughs> then so we can like overpower you too so we can like kick you out when we're tired of you. Whatever. So but, but like, in all honesty, like for me this is where it's so beautiful in a way that we're wired differently. And so like you no know, Jeremy and Jill were, you know, introvert, extrovert, and it's neat that they're a unit where they can tag team and they can function well <laughs> because they're able to kinda of lean on each other.
4: So
0: I like what you said because nothing about being an introvert and doing hospitality requires that you do it alone. And this is one of those places where if you feel like it's difficult for you to express hospitality because you happen to be more introverted, that you might grab somebody and say, you know what, could we both invite this person over and make them feel part of the group? Can we both invite this person over and welcome them because they're they're new in town and they don't know anybody? Um, Can we do that? Uh, And I think that's kind of something that is very helpful to break down that, you know. I mean, there was somebody in this group that we wanted to invite over because they were new in town, and we felt like they're kind of shy, too. So maybe we'll break the ice. We brought over another extrovert, right? We brought over, like, Morgan, you know. And we were like, hey, Morgan, Chris, come on over and help us welcome this person because they don't really know many people in town, right? And that made it more comfortable because they also didn't feel like they were on the spot, like that we were just focusing on them, right? It made it... And and we can do that because we are a body and we are a common group of people who can do this. So look for that as a way to do it. All right. By the way, that will also work later when we talk about safety. Yes.
5: I don't know if you agree with this, but I also think sometimes it's not so much of a personality thing. Maybe like, what if you do invite over an introvert and maybe they like being around another introvert, you know? So I would say, I don't think it's just extroverts that can provide hospitality, I think introverts can too, if they just know that hey, it's okay if I continue to be an introvert and do
0: hospitality that way. True, it's just that extroverts need another extrovert there because if there are two introverts and I'm there at the table and they're just like both just eating quietly, like I'm going nuts, like my head's exploding. You know, like so even I need it sometimes. right? Like you know, just because otherwise it just, the voices in my head start going crazy
2: I would think in, in the case of introverts, I mean, I lived with a couple of introverts in college, and the first couple of times we had people over, it was awful. And it's just something where almost like you have to move past the fear and try it a couple of times and you get better at it, even. And it's something where, yeah, I know it's difficult and it helps to have other people there like they've brought up, but nonetheless, it still is something where, just like playing sports or anything else, practice it, you get better at it, and it becomes easier to do.
0: Okay. By the way, I think it's great being an introvert, and I know that this group is one where those people tend to be quieter, but let me tell you, I found this study the other day that said that somebody had analyzed the Gospel, all four of the Gospels, trying to figure out was Jesus an introvert or an extrovert, and they concluded that actually, if you look at it, Jesus was an introvert. And then another guy said, well, that's because the guy who did the study was introverted, so of course you would think that. (laughs) And that guy thought he was an extrovert. you know, And of course, he was an extrovert, so Jesus is all things to all of you, whichever one you want to be, it's great. Just don't look at this as an excuse. That's the point. It's real, recognize it, there's ways to work around it. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be hospitable. Here's a real objection. I don't understand the point of hospitality. How are we gonna develop a deep, intimate relationship with a complete stranger simply by inviting them to stay with us or to share a meal? Let me make a comment on this one. What's interesting about this question is what's stated in the question. There's an assumption in here that we should be intimate in all of our relationships. We call this the myth of the great American relationship. Because for some reason in our society, we think that any time we make a relationship, if it's not a close, deep, intimate relationship, it has no value. And I've even heard that in this group sometimes. I've heard that from people as an objection, like one of the problems is we really can't just get to know each other like the closest, most intimate people in the world. Well, imagine what the body of Christ, which is described as completely unified. How is that possible for us to be completely unified intimately, yet we don't know almost everybody in the body of Christ? We have this myth that seems to think that that's the only use of a relationship. That's the only value in it. And that acquaintanceships can't be valuable. And that actually just friendships for a common purpose, like maybe you go to the same activities together, maybe you go to the same church, that all of them have to be immediately intimate. And most of us know that can't be true anyway. We wouldn't be comfortable with that anyway. And a good way to prove that is think about the closest, most intimate friends in your life and think about how when they move, you stop talking to them, you never see them again. And how intimate was it in the first place? If the only thing that changed was geography and suddenly your whole relationship changed. So was your relationship intimate and close or was it just proximity? You guys just ran into each other every day or had the common purpose. So I think in this question, some people have said, you know, showing hospitality to a stranger is kind of dumb because I don't really get it. It's not like it's gonna do anything. Well, of course it's gonna do something. It's going to welcome someone. It's going to provide them food and shelter if that's what they're looking for. It's going to give them a place of connection. It's going to give them a place of sharing. You might grow out of it more than they do. But it doesn't always have to just simply become the most close and intimate relationship. It may have served its purpose in that one situation. I think of Jesus on the road to Emmaus walking with the two people, And he's dialoguing with them and he's opening the scriptures to them and telling them all about the scriptures that point to him. And he goes to their house and they invite him in to a meal as a show of hospitality. And he goes inside and he breaks bread and he disappears right before their eyes. But his purpose was accomplished and so was theirs. He taught his disciples on the road and gave them what he needed and that was the purpose of that particular relationship built around hospitality. Even the act of walking together from town to town, which we would think of as not a big deal, is an act of hospitality in the first century. That's the way that you keep each other safe and you show that you're open to one another is by journeying together somewhere. So I just thought I'd throw that up as a comment. Okay, boundary people, here's one for you. Where are the boundaries? Am I supposed to invite every single person who needs a meal or a place to stay? Is it okay to have boundaries in hospitality? Do boundaries conflict with generosity? How do you respond to that? Yes.
1: You have to have boundaries because you have to also remember that you yourself are a resource. And if you're spending all of your resource, you're going to burn out. Then you're of use to nobody and you're spent. Like in order for you as a resource to keep being renewed, I think each person needs to reflect on what they have to give and what's left.
2: Yes. Yeah, and simply put, I mean, John, you couldn't house, house every homeless person in Azusa in your house. Like, it's, I mean, it, that's not even possible.
0: Is it too much to do? Yeah,
2: I mean, you just, I mean, even space. I mean, there's like 40 different <laughs> ways where you couldn't meet that. I mean, spatially, you know, food-wise, mean, all kinds of things. Where it's just that's not possible. So, so I think there there has to be some acknowledgement of knowing, okay, it, it, you know, we we're not Superman here. We're not we're not trying to save the world, but I would say most people are in the place where we need to increase our boundaries. Like most there I don't know lots of people who are like, Wow, that person is so hospitable they need to back it down a little bit. I know that's not me. I'm not so hospitable that I need to do less. So I think that's important to know. But yeah, we shouldn't feel guilty that you can't I mean, I don't even know what it means to invite every single person who needs a meal or a place to stay. There's so
0: many people who need that. Okay. Abby? I also think that like as long as like
4: you are doing something that is like hospitable and maybe you do feel like you're not a resource like I think that we're all very like uh, ignorant of the other resources that are open and just like knowing or like having on your phone like different homeless shelters or different like knowing the schedule of like where meals are given out like very very simple things that prepare you for like for the next step so like when you're creating your boundary my boundary is I'm going to do this spend this much and then you know something comes up. Having that knowledge ahead of time to be like, okay, well you can do this and you can do this and I'm gonna call this person. I like like I said, like as long as it's not an excuse, having that knowledge so that we're not just closing our, you know, ourselves out to it. Like as long as long as it's not an excuse though,
5: you know, to push them off.
0: Okay. Chris?
5: I have a question. So like not every day am I asked to for food or a place to stay. So on the days that I am, am I supposed
0: to say yes every time? Well, that's what this question is. It's the question that says like, can I draw boundaries on generosity or am I not being generous? And there's a tension between generosity and limitations. But a couple things to point out. I like what you said about an excuse, Abby, that it could be used as an excuse, but there are limitations. And the opposite of the excuse Excuses on one side of the continuum, the other side is arrogance or pride. Where you think, I can provide, I can do it all. There are no limits, no boundaries to my generosity. Just bring it on, I'll take care of everybody. As if you could, which you can't. Or as if you could on your own, without God's help, without God's provision. And so you're living somewhere in the midst of those. It shouldn't be an excuse, but it also shouldn't be a mark of pride that you can do it. And here's a notation. A lot of people find that... Whenever you start practicing hospitality on a wide scale, I mean churches, intentional communities, I don't mean just people, but even people, you start with the idea that there's going to be no limits. We'll let anybody in. We'll feed everybody. Right? And then along the way, you start to realize this is getting a little difficult. Like we are limited in resource. We are getting burned out. Take Wednesday nights. When we started, we're like, hey, this is open to anybody. Anybody can come. Bring any friend. Bring any person. We don't care. No charge. Just show up. We'll do it all. And then, like, right around the time, we hit about 30 people (laughs) for one night. Like, that's when Lena, like, put the brakes on and went, hold on a second. Like, it's getting a little crazy. How many people could we possibly feed before we run out of physical room in the house, before it's so loud you can't even hear anything anymore? And we started discussing if we ever got beyond that number, how we would start breaking the group into two places to do it how that would be possible, how could we do it? But we always start off with no boundaries. Some of us, though, start off with boundaries as the starting point, and that's when you know it's an excuse. If your first thought is to the boundaries, then you're struggling with generosity. If your first thought is, I'll do it all, then you're struggling with pride. (laughs) And you have to just watch, where are you? Because hopefully you're constantly in that tension. Because limiting generosity is difficult but it's necessary. There are times when it's necessary. And when we get to the point where we think there are limitations, let's make sure that they're not just constructed by our belief. And again, a survey of practitioners of hospitality, these intentional communities say, you know what, every time we thought we'd have to turn people away, there just seemed to be a little bit more sometimes. And that is a trust in God to be the ultimate provider rather than ourselves. And of course, it's more humbling when you have to say, I thought we were gonna run out of food and somehow we just made it. Even when we took on a few more people, okay? Yes.
8: Um, Morgan, Morgan said that there's, like it's very rare when you meet someone that's like, oh, they're too generous, you know, and you come across that. And for me, um, there's there's only been one person which I've, in my life that I've met. Um, she was from the South, which was interesting enough. and. Um, But the ways that she was generous wasn't necessarily giving out physical things, but even just little in-between stuff of, oh, let me go grab that for you, or let me carry that for you, or even just let me get you a glass of water. Um, But just really simple things that was just, you know, she was just so, I don't know, just so nice and so giving in hospital, but it wasn't excessively with physical things. Um, And, I mean, even I actually got the the opportunity to study abroad um, this past semester and I met these guys from Afghanistan and they had a music player and they played uh, American music for me. And I was kind of interested in, you know, what Afghanistan music would be like, but you know, I, I switched and they are like, oh no, they went back. Um, and so to me it was like that was their way of being hospitable to me. It was like giving me an opportunity to be comfortable mm-hmm. with them. so. I feel like there's there's other ways to to work around
0: that. And I think that's a good point because we focus so much on physical hospitality of food, shelter, clothing, right, those things, but in truth we could spend all year talking about it because there are elements of hospitality that are spiritual and psychological and emotional and there are also the ones like you described that come from just the attitude of being generous in spirit, right, and I think we should Fairly note that we may have overemphasized the others and say, yeah, all of those are included. What if I'm uncomfortable with a guest's behavior or habits and they seriously pose a problem in my home? And I'm just going to say this is the point that I said to Chris earlier is the deal with confrontation. Now, we think confrontation sounds bad. Like, that's a bad word. How can you be hospitable and confront someone? Confrontation is the ability to hold the line and say, look, there is a line in this home. You would have to do that in some ways. I don't know who we're going to have stay at our home, but like if we found out that, for example, they were doing something that was dangerous to our daughter, like we have to go, hey, there's a line. Right? Like We're not going to say, because of hospitality, you can just roll right over us and we'll be the doormat. So that's a line where you have to say, there's a standard. By the way, that standard may include your beliefs. It's okay that somebody who's a guest in your home for you to have a serious conversation with them and say, this actually bothers me. You know, this is something that's difficult for us and we'd like to explain to you why. This is still our home and we believe that there are certain rules in our home. So you don't abrogate all that just because you let someone into your home. And I think we have a problem with that because we think, well, that's not being hospitable. We should just be passive. We should just let them do whatever they want. And I think that we wouldn't do that. I don't even think that's very loving. I don't have a home to invite anyone to. How can I practice hospitality? Well, that might apply to a lot of people. How would you practice hospitality without a home?
1: Jeremy says you could invite him to your house.
0: Come over to our house, right? You <laughs> could just make the exodus house, you know? I guess
7: I have
0: a question about this question. Because unless
7: I don't know something, I think everybody here lives somewhere.
1: Well, well like we have a landlord. I'm not gonna invite someone back to
7: our no, house and be like, Hi landlord, here's No. guy Well a then landlord. just ask the landlord. Like it's not that to me it's like everybody lives in an apartment or lives with somebody. I mean, so maybe the awkward conversation is talking to the person you live with. But we don't want to do that. Or I'm not saying we I mean like that's that can be done too. I mean, I don't know. It just seems to me like I don't I don't get the question of I don't have a
0: home to invite everyone to. It's an honest question that people ask. Yes.
4: I think kind of like in response to that, um, like living here on campus, um, A, I'm not allowed to have any boys stay with me, um, but B, like I do have three other roommates, and some of them genuinely feel like they will not let anyone stay over that they don't personally know. And because I respect them more than I choose to, you know, want to invite someone over, like it's definitely something like I can't invite someone to spend the night in my mod. Like I can't do it for sake of damaging that relationship. So it's not that I don't have a home to invite anyone to, it's like, the cons outweigh it because it's damaging to my friendship. But but I don't like,
7: think this suggests that they have to spend the night. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like, if you had, I mean, and obviously if someone goes to your room and says, oh, she's got three roommates and it's like a cracker box in here, I mean, the polite <laughs> thing to do, and I know the apartment's here, the polite thing to do is, Yeah, you're not going to spend the night. Like, I mean, I mean, unless you're really clueless, right? But that's why I'm saying, like, I don't understand this question because I think we're reading into it. Like, oh, if I invite someone to my home, they're going to spend the night. They're going to eat all my food, and I don't even know if that's like. I mean, that could be true. Like, I think that that fear has to be addressed because I don't think that that's a legitimate fear. I mean, I think that can be easily dealt with just by
0: talking about it. And it goes back to what hospitality is, like how you define it. Is it just food and shelter? Although that is primarily a lot of places. But remember, hospitality involves visiting people. Maybe it's going to be visiting someone who's infirm in the hospital. Maybe it's going to involve visiting people that you can actually spend time with who nobody wants to spend time with. Like instead of serving in a soup kitchen and just serving, like maybe you actually sit down and eat with people and actually serve with them or not to them, Maybe it's doing something like going to people who are imprisoned. One of the express commandments of Christ that most of us seem all too comfortable, including myself, to ignore in favor of easier things or people who are at least more lovable. There are ways to do that that are completely outside of the constructs of the home. It might even be something like the story of the Good Samaritan where you actually take someone and you take them somewhere, like some of my friends have done who've seen homeless people and can't take them in and have just said, hey, you know what, I'm going to take you to this motel, I'm just going to pay and you'll sleep here tonight and have a safe place to sleep. Or I'm going to pay for three nights so you can get yourself together and have a shower and those kinds of things. There are so many ways to do it that go beyond it, but notice almost every one of those required some expenditure of resource of some kind. And again, they shouldn't be an excuse. Like putting people up in a motel is not an excuse for not taking people in if you can. Because again, you can use it to distance yourself from people and just say, well, <laughs> I don't want you in my house, but hey, I'll pay 25 bucks at the Motel 6 and put you up. That's probably the wrong spirit.
3: I think, kind of going along with what Jeremy was saying too, I think the problem is that we don't investigate how we can be hospitable. We We assume that it's going to take a certain form. I mean, cause I was thinking about this and you're right, I mean, I've had friends call me up at 2 in the morning and say, hey, you know what, something happened, I need a place to stay, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I drop everything. I don't even ask my roommates. I'm like, hey, I know, I know they'll understand, you know, some somebody need a place to stay. But then I think, well, am, am, am I that quick to offer that to somebody I don't know or somebody, you know, I know less who's not maybe my best friend or not maybe, you know, a close, personal, interview. You know, acquaintance of mine and then I I think about that and then yeah, but there's a different way to be hospitable, it doesn't have to necessarily be, you know, coming over, although I I agree with Jeremy, I think that that everyone has a place to stay. you know, uh, you can work things out if you really, really want to have somebody come over, but I think that's the thing is that we struggle with, is investigating how we can actually be hospitable and how it's even applied.
0: Okay, I'm going to leave it there, because I don't want to barrel through like five more of these things and not pay attention to them. And I also don't want to be here for another hour. I want to respect you and not wear you out. The main point is, if you see through these, every one of them, you could easily find a way so that you don't have to be hospitable. Or when you're not hospitable, to use these as a reason not to be. They're legitimate. They're real. But we're going to work together as a group to get over some of them, especially the ones that come next week like about safety, people stealing, dangerous situations, things that are very, very real. And I think that that's the place where community actually will help us the most because we can actually rely on doing this together. Nobody ever said that we had to practice hospitality in a vacuum. In fact, as I'm going to talk about next week, it was just the opposite. The reason hospitality has become so difficult for us is because we all became individuals and stopped working together. In the ancient world that that, that put forward all this great hospitality, people lived in communities where everybody knew everybody and you couldn't be a stranger in a town without anybody knowing it. And so everybody was working together to be hospitable to people and we lost that because we decided it was much better for us to all mind our own business. And as soon as we did that and we all became individuals, we lost hospitality. So next week I'm going to talk just briefly about how to get it back by coming back together as a community. Let's pray and close up. Lord, I'm thankful for the freedom that you give us just to be able to openly discuss the struggles in our heart. The fact that you tolerate people who are broken and sinful and selfish and always begrudgingly giving what you have so freely given us. And you even allow us to come together in a place like this to acknowledge those things openly so that we can get over them, so that we can bring the light to very, very dark places in our own hearts. And Lord, most of all, I'm thankful that you would even allow us the privilege to do that. That you're a God who is gracious and merciful enough that you even tolerate us to do that. And now change us and transform us. Do that through your power, not through us just beating ourselves up from the outside. Do something from the inside that actually changes our very heart so that we are bursting at the seams to be hospitable to others. We pray this in your name. Amen.